Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. New weights, I've got some new things I'm carrying, I've got hurt, I've got pain, there's things happening in my life that I can't fully say today that you carry all the burdens for them. We don't understand sometimes what Jesus means by this. Uh, we've understood the word, we've understood the divine word of God that says that we can do this and come to God, but actually this divine work that's took place in our hearts, we're thinking and questioning, why is it I feel the way I do? Why is it that there are things in my life, there's things I'm carrying and holding on to that I can't seem to let go of? I believe that there are things, Christianity doesn't mean that you have this bubble around you when you get saved, that all of a sudden, the things that come against you just bounce off. Actually, it doesn't. I believe that God gives us a different perspective to go through life. I'll never forget when I became a Christian, someone said to me, I give my life to the Lord and and I was so excited about moving into things with Jesus that I couldn't stop talking about Jesus. And he came up to me, this gentleman, he was a, an elder in the church, and he came up to me and he said, he said, Phil, remember that through your life, God will not remove the obstacles and just let you stride over them. And he'll help you to get over them. And I thought, oh, I thought he was going to remove everything. And I couldn't understand this at first, but now I've come to realize that he gives us, by his spirit, the ability to go through life and through obstacles and over obstacles. Don't believe the lie that being a Christian is a perfect life. Because it's not. And by the way, if you say, well, if it's not, I'm going to leave and I'm going to turn around. I'm not going to follow Jesus anymore. I hate to tell you this, but the world isn't going to be much famous either. I remember as growing up, my mum would say all the time to me, she'd say, you know, it's, I, I just thank God that we have God in our lives when we went through trials. I thank God that he's with us. And I just think, so do I. Because without him, we never get through these things. So we get through these problems. Some of us this morning, right now, before I even open up this three-week series, are saying, yes, I carry things. I'm carrying weights. I'm carrying problems. I'm carrying difficulties. And I'm finding some of this stuff out to let go Well, I want this, at the end of this series, for people to actually... Be in a different place and to see things in a different perspective. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 3, the writer, Paul, says this, verse 1, therefore, and what he says is here, when he says therefore, it's just because he's listed what we call the hall of faith, of faith for all the people that have been great people of faith, and you can read that in your own time. In, in Hebrews chapter 11, but in Hebrews 12, verse 1, it kicks off with this. Therefore, in other words, since we're surrounded by all these great people, this great cloud of witness, he says this, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Hallelujah. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured.
endured such opposition from sinners as Jesus, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In other words, the writing here says this, as people of faith, we look at the whole of faith of all these great cloud of witnesses, he says, therefore looking at all these people, understand this, that actually we should stand firm, but we will go through difficulties and challenges. But we're going to have to sometimes throw off these things. And he says, throw off these things, and it's not just sin. He says, throw off these things, and sin, that's all he's like tackles. There are people today struggling with sin, maybe, but I'm talking today about things, stuff, that we need to throw off in our lives as people of faith. Let's look in Matthew chapter 18 as we kick off. On this first part, Matthew 18, verse 21, we're going to go through to verse 35, it says this, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but seven to seven times. Wasn't the answer you wanted to hear? I would imagine. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven, and here he now gives an analogy of what the kingdom of heaven is like and what life should be like for us. He's like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him ten thousand bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him, began to choke him, pay back what you owe, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me, I'll pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant, just as I am on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured, until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you, unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. What I want to talk today about for the first part of this, and the title of this message for the first one is Clutter Control. I want to talk today about the very fact that unforgiveness, things we harbour in our hearts towards our brothers and our sisters, are the very things and the very poison that will eat away our faith. These are the things that sometimes you're going to have to let go in your lives. There are some people, even now, the moment I mention that word, probably in this room are saying, well, I know someone who's hurt me. Christian or not, whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, today there will be someone in your mind.
know has hurt you. That has hurt you so much that you're carrying a pain. And you find it so hard to forgive them. You become a Christian maybe and you say, I find it so difficult to do this. And do you know that one of these things I believe is the very thing that can eat away our lives like a poison. That will work through all of our lives and eventually will cripple us. And I think it's important that we address this particular issue. Part one is clutter control. I believe we need to get rid of some of this clutter and blockage. One of the things that actually came out on Tuesday evening, someone prophesied, I believe, in our evening meeting, is that God wants to remove some clutter and blockages, I think they said. And I really believe, prophetically, God does want to do that. And I think He's preparing the way in this next three weeks to deal with some issues. We talk a lot about physical healing here, but I believe that we also, it's just as important to talk about emotional healing. Things inside our hearts. There are people here today who have a broken leg, but they've got a broken heart. There are people here today that are suffering in their hearts from something that's happened to them. They're broken inside because someone said or done something to them. And they don't need someone to pray for them to feel better in physically, but they need prayer emotionally. I believe God wants to do that. You see, the question is this. Peter asked Jesus, how many times should I forgive someone? There are people here today who have been hurt so many times, maybe by the same person, that you question, how many times do I actually forgive them as a Christian? And he says, seven times, Jesus. Remember that at the time then, in the Jewish traditions, it would have been three times that you would forgive someone. So Peter says, seven times. He's kind of going above, he's saying the perfect numbers, we know he's seven. Is it seven times I forgive? And Jesus responds and says, what does he say? Seven times, not seven times, but 77 times. The New King James Version says 70 times seven. In other words, 490 times. Well, he gives a limit there. He said, well, at 491, do I stop forgiving? There, there we got it. 491, I can stop forgiving. I believe what Jesus is trying to say is this. When you start getting to even 100, you'll have forgotten how to count. In other words, you go so far, you'll never reach 490 because you'll never be able to count these times. In other words, all the time, continue to forgive. No matter how much someone hurts you, forgive them. Some of you are saying this morning, I don't, I'm not sure I want to hear this message. I want to hear the message about the Holy Spirit, the fire of God. Listen, you will not experience the fire of God if unforgiveness is in your heart. We need to get rid of this stuff. Because the enemy knows it's enough to cripple us. It creates blockages. It creates something that God can't allow to work with us. Many times, people yesterday were saying to me, you're active, you're, you're a conduit for the Holy Spirit. You know, if we want to be a good conduit for the Holy Spirit, then we've got to get rid of some of this stuff. It's like junk. Do you know what the problem is today? Is right now, some of us are still counting. Some of us are counting the amount of times that people have hurt us. And we're probably at, you know, 20, 30, this is, I can't take anymore. But Jesus is saying, you can't count. You must keep forgiving them. When Jesus was on the cross, what did he say when he saw the people below him? He said, forgive them, for they know not what they do. After they brutally took him to the cross, then he looks down and he sees them and he says, forgive them, for they know not what they do. 
the very ones who tortured him and abused him. Listen to me, there's nothing today that you cannot forgive someone for. Are you harboring that unforgiveness this morning? Is it become that deadly poison in your If it is, then I believe God wants to speak into your life today. Number one, I think the thing that we need to do, first of all, that we see in this story, is that we need to recognize our own debt. We've got to recognize the very fact of what Jesus has done for you and for me. Until you fully understand that, you'll never grasp forgiveness. Some of us are saying, oh, but you don't know what they did to me. If I was to sit and tell you, I could tell you for hours of what they've done. I could tell you for hours how they've hurt me. Listen to me. If you understand what Jesus forgave you for, you could forgive anyone of anything. I'm amazed when I see people on TV, some tragedies that happen, and you find out that they've forgiven the person for maybe murdering their son or their daughter, and you see this and you think, how can they do this? Then you find out sometimes afterwards there were Christians and you think, until I'm in that situation, I don't know how I'd respond. But you understand that there is something going on. It's the power of the Holy Ghost within them that gives them the ability to forgive. I'll tell you what I want that in my life. I want that in my life, the ability to forgive anyone of anything. Today we need to understand our debt to forgive others. We need to understand the forgiveness that was poured out upon us. That grace which we receive. In Romans 3, 23 says this, For all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. All, that's every one of us. Every single one of us today in this room. We do not deserve to be here singing to Jesus. We do not deserve to come in this room and to worship him. We never did. But he paid the price of the cross for you and for me. He paid the ultimate price. He shed his precious blood. And sometimes we forget. Sometimes we come around, we do the table and we, we remember it and we take the bread and we take the drink. Sometimes we never fully grasp what he's done. It's real. He paid the price. And as we read in Hebrews 12, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning his shame. He enjoyed going to the cross for you and me, paying that ultimate price to forgive you. Do you know what? Every one of us, if you've ever been in debt and you know as a student, I used to be in debt, I used to borrow my money and I got in sometimes pickles and I was trying to work my way out of debt. If you're ever in red, that's where we were. We were in red. We were in debt. And Jesus steps in. He fulfills the deal. He pays the price. And he takes us from red to black. He takes us from that position of having nothing, of being in a position of judgment, and takes us into that place where we can stand before him, covered by his righteousness and not ours. Isaiah 64 verse 6 says, All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. In other words, we can't do it on our own. We need to recognize what Jesus has done for us. This will make, help you to understand what forgiving your brother and sister is. Jesus gives the analogy to Peter. He says this. It's like a king who settled accounts. And he gives a story. 
He gives a story of this servant who comes in, who owes all of these bags of gold. Things, is it 100,000, 10,000 bags of gold? And the, the gentleman comes in, and this servant comes in, and he begs Jesus, he begs the king, sorry, he begs the king to let him off. Because he knows he cannot fulfill, he can't pay the debt. It's impossible. He doesn't have the means to do it. And he comes and he, and he asks and begs. Some of us today, sometimes we don't understand what it is to beg God and ask for forgiveness. We do sins, we do things wrong, but we don't go to him and ask him. This servant, he begs. The king threatens to sell his wife and his children. He begs. But in the end, he lets him off. This is what it's like for you and me. In other words, the debt is so too big. It's so big. The debt of sin was so massive, you can't pay it. It's impossible to pay. And this is, and this is before this analogy, this story, and he's on his knees begging, the king lets him off. But what's the next thing he does? He goes straight out, and he finds another person, one of his fellow servants. And how does he act? He acts very differently towards that person. We've got to understand this morning, that he has paid the ultimate price for us. You can forgive anyone of anything. No apology from anyone is going to ever be as great as what he did for you. No apology from anyone is going to be ever as great. You know, a few weeks ago I was watching a documentary and a program came on about bailiffs. And these people were going into houses because the people couldn't afford, they got themselves into debt. They couldn't afford to stay in the house. And you know, I find myself, I watch these programs and this, this, this guy came around me was huge. A bit like Wyler. <laughs> I won't mess with Wyler. And he came around to the house and he knocks on the door and this poor guy inside, he says, listen, you've got 24 hours to get out of this house. 24 hours to pack your stuff up. You can't afford to pay what you've got. You put yourself in a mess. I'm not man coming as a representative, but you've got 24 hours. You need to get out and then you can come back within a week's time and collect your things. And as I watched this, I began to feel sorry for the poor guy. Now I've got no idea how much debt he got himself into, but I began to feel sorry for the one who had to leave. But do you know something? We said, well, why can't they just let him stay there and be nice and be kind to him? The reason why is because he needed to pay the price. Someone has to pay the price. And probably in that circumstance, the people paying their taxes were the ones paying for him to live in that accommodation. And we cannot, somebody has to pay the price. We cannot say that God hasn't fulfilled and paid the price for us. He's paid everything for us. He's saying you can stay where you are. You don't deserve to, but I've fulfilled it and I've paid it. But so is look, you know, when we go on the streets and we talk to people, they say, well, why can't God just, you know, let people off? It's because a price has to be paid. Mm-hmm. And price always needs to be paid. And his blood paid that price. The Bible says in Hebrews 9, verse 27, it's appointed for every man to die, and then comes judgment. It, judgment will come to every one of us. We're going to be judged for the good works that we do. But judgment will come. We'll stand before God. Answering for what we've done in our lives, for those 
who've sinned and have not accepted Jesus. When I went on the streets yesterday, one of the most privileged things I'd love to share with people is, is that it's a free gift. All you've got to do is receive Jesus and he pays the price. He cancels out your debt. You know what's better than any miracle? That we can tell them that their debt is cancelled if they receive it. So some of us this morning need to recognize our debt. Did you see this story? That the servant, the moment he falls to his knees, that's when the king responds. And some of us today, I don't know where you're at with God this morning. But some of us today, we can talk with God about all the things that we've done wrong. But until you get on your knees and you bow before the king, your debt still stands. The moment he bows, before the king, the king lets him off. Some of us today need to bow in our hearts. Some of us need today need to say, Jesus, I need to bow before you. I have a debt that is too big to hold for me. The moment we bow our knee, our debt is released. I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know where you're at this morning. If you would know Jesus, if you know him as your own personal savior, if he cleared your debt for you, but you have to make that decision. You have to make the decision between you and him. Number two today is this, that when we understand what it is, what we've done wrong, number two, we need to release our debtors. We need to release the ones that we hold. You see, the, the, this, this servant, he gets let off with 10,000 bags of gold. And the next thing he does, he goes outside of where he's been with the king. And it's almost like immediately, he says this, the story says that he, he found, in other words, he went looking. He didn't just bump into someone in town and think, oh, I remember you owe me a tenner. No. He didn't say, oh, I just bumped into Mike in the, in, in the, in the market. And, oh, I remember just thinking about it. He owes me that hundred pounds. No, he says he found him. In other words, he left the presence of the king who had just forgiven him for 10,000 bags of gold. He'd been on his knees. He understood. He realized. But did he really realize this? Because the moment he leaves, he goes and finds. He looks and finds and thinks, I'm going to do what the king's just done to me. But I'm going to, I'm going to make them pay. I'm not going to let them off. And he, he does the, the, the whole contradiction to what's just happened. Some of us in this room today, you say, well, is this applicable to me? Yes, it is, because some of us are believers in Jesus. We've given our lives to Jesus. We have left the room sometimes. We leave church. Some of us have not forgiven our brothers and sisters. Some of us are holding them today. We've received grace from the king. We've been on our hands and, on our hands and knees on the floor. We said, Jesus, we understand what you've done for me. You've forgiven me of much, but yet we can walk out of the church and we can go and act differently towards someone else. Some of us today are like that. Some of us today don't know what it is to release our own debtors. Verse 27 says that the servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. He let him go, he released him to go. Do you know some of us today? We're, what we're doing is this. Some of us have been hurt by people. We've received the grace from God. We understand that he's paid the price. Some of us forget sometimes. We understand he's paid the price. 
But then later in our lives, someone hurts us. Someone does something against us. And then what we spend our lives doing is waiting for the apology. We spend our lives waiting for that person to come and say sorry. We spend our lives waiting for the phone to ring. We spend our lives waiting for that email to drop in. When we thought it was going to come and it never did. And our lives wait for those flowers to arrive and for that present or that, yes, it, I was wrong and you're right. How many of you know this morning that that's probably never going to happen? Some of you are waiting still. You're waiting for that apology. And apologies sometimes don't come. They never come. They don't come. But we're not here to wait for an apology. We're not here to wait for that apology from someone. I want to encourage you today that if you're waiting, if you're saying it hasn't come yet, but I'm going to hang on, listen, you've got to let these things go. Because these are the things that will cripple you. They will hold on to you for the rest of your life. They'll hold on to you all the days of your life because they contaminate your mind. I remember times when Things, people have done things wrong to me and I, I kind of stood waiting for and waiting and waiting for the email and it never came. The email just never came. That person that hurt me put me in a position and hurt me and I used to think, I just, I know it, that they will send an email. But it never came. Some of you are waiting just like me. And it ain't going to come. It's never going to come. Some of us are going to let these things go, amen? Because they harbor in our hearts. They cripple us. Someone once said this, holding a grudge is like letting someone live rent-free in your mind. Holding a grudge is like letting someone live rent-free in your mind. Some of us have let people take over our lives in our mind. Some of us today, right now, you say, that person has actually got all position in my mind that Jesus. That person, sometimes when I get down to pray, I can't pray because that person comes to my mind before I think about Jesus. And some of us are in that position today where we feel we can't focus on God anymore because of that person. Listen, you have to let it go. Do you know what? This series I'm going to be looking at, this is one of the most important ones. That you must let these things go because it's the root of who you are. These things will attach to you, exclude to you, and you've got to get them off. Because it's like poison in our hearts. Some of us can't let it go, though. We can't let these things go. We, we blame people. You know, many years ago, I know this is not going to share before, but many years ago, I, had some, I bought some tickets for. An event that I was going to go to, and I was going to take care of it. We were going to go to this event. These tickets weren't cheap. We were going to go to this event. And I put these tickets in a place. Has everyone got one of those places in your house where you just know that it's a safe place to put them? I mean, I have a little mantra that I call it. That everything just, if you open it, you won't understand what's in there. But it's my little tray where everything goes, and I know what's in there. But years ago, I had this position where I used to put things, and I put these two tickets that I got on this place. So I thought they're safe. No one's going to touch them. They'll never go anywhere. 
Little did I know that one day I walked in and I looked and it was actually on the day of the event. These two tickets have vanished. You know, I had a good... She, she always cleaned up well, you know. She always tidied up things well. And to this day, this is all... You can see this is Harvard still in my heart. That's why I've got to let it go. And... I said to her, I said, do you know where the tickets have gone? You know what I know to this day? She was doing that. We've had many discussion. We've had many discussion of where the tickets went. I know they went to the thing. I can assure you of that. I have got CCTV, but I know it. You know when you know that? You just know that no one else could have done what. And so, so now, actually, I'm very careful with when I buy tickets for events. I try to make sure that I, I say, I'll, I'll look after those, thank you very much. She still says that she didn't do it, but, you know, I, I, have to give, I have to give her the benefit of that. I forgive you. <laughs> it's okay. I forgive you. You know, it's like this. Some of us... You know, for me, I used to, every time we go to the event, I said, I'm keeping the tickets, I'm coming out, I make sure they're under lock and key, that's all. Now, I'm very careful that she ever goes to the hand draw, because everything that's in there, I don't want her to touch it. You know, you've got the places. I just don't want her to touch it. I'm just throwing it out. If it's out of the way, she'll not touch it. I mean, I get thinking of these bad dreams about these things. The ticket's going to the bench. The value. It's okay, we'll discuss about it later. <laughs> but you know, some of us can't let it go. And many times we, I just couldn't let it go, but today I've let it go. <laughs> let it go, it's been released. And some of you are like that, you know. You're holding people to things. You're holding people to things. Do you know what happened to this? Do you, do you see what happened in the story? The king says, I'm going to let you off with the debt. 10,000 bags of gold. This is one thing. Servers have forgiven people by saying, I'll let you off. But notice that the next thing it says, he also let it go and put him in prison. Some people have partially forgiven people. In other words, you let them off so far, but actually you still hold on to them. There is something that you hold on to, and sometimes we call it blackmail. We hold on to people and we blackmail them through our lives. But the king not only let him off with the debt, but let him off from the prison. He said, I'm going to let you go. He didn't say, listen, I'm going to let you off with the 10,000 bags of gold, but by the way, you can work for me for the rest of your life. In other words, he says, you're free to go. And I think some of us today, we, heart, we, we, we say we've forgiven someone, but then we keep up to them. We hold on to them. Any time, any opportunity, we use it to block them. Do that with Emma. With the tickets. But now you've heard about it, so. But you know it's true. Some of us today need to let these things go. This is serious. Because it will eat away your lives. Some of us have received the grace from God, but we fail to show it to other people. 
It says this, when the servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. Verse 28. He grabbed him. He began to choke him. Paid back what he owed him demanded. His, his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay back. In other words, it says the exact same picture as what we've heard. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. The servant's actions were very different. He didn't let him go. He says, get this man in prison. This guy on the other one that's some of business. He's a very different kind of debt. Some of us need to act the same as what we act in church is what we need to get out of here. He was in with the king. He was on his knees begging and receiving grace. The next day he was a very different person. I believe there's lots of two-faced Christians around. You know that? There's lots of two-faced people who act one way in church, but the moment they leave, they, they'll, they'll, they'll talk about God's grace, but they can't give grace to someone else. The moment they leave the doors, they're a very different person. Because it's almost like the, the holy camera's not on you anymore. No one can see what you're doing. You know, many years ago I used to work in a, in a, in a, in a supermarket. When I was younger, it was called Quicksave. If you've heard of those, a little uh, kind of cheap supermarket. And one of the days, uh, the manager called me and three other guys into the office. And he called us and we all to stand there in a line and he shouted so loud at us because the things that were going on on the shop floor. People would be reporting things and saying, these guys are not doing their work and, and, and all this. And he stood there and he asked us all to answer. Now I knew, I knew who this person was. I knew this person actually the culprit, but I couldn't say that because I thought they would hit me when I get out of work. So I just stood there and took, you know, I took one for the team. And I stood there and this guy said, listen, in future we're going to have cameras installed. You're not going to know where these are. Actually, you better be careful because the mystery shoppers sometimes come in. And so it's interesting because the moment that he told us that, things start to change. Because the guys who I work with, who went up to the floor and would be doing stuck in the shelves, but people start to think, is there a camera in the conflict box? <laughs> you know, it's, it's very different when you know that eyes are watching you. Is this person who just asked me whether Jerry is on aisle three a mystery shopper? Is, are these people watching me? Do these people know who I am? And so everyone's actions change. And some of us today, we would act very differently if we knew the camera was on us all week. How we forgive others, what we say to others, how we treat others. Do we speak differently to the way that we act when we're in the king's presence? Because that servant acted very differently in the king's presence to outside. I'll ask you today, are you acting differently? Because listen, there is a camera on us. He's gone. His eye watched to and fro. And he sees everything that we do. He sees everything that comes out of our mouths for our brothers and our sisters all the time. And he knows how you're acting. So there's no point in trying to be someone you're not when you're here. Because the truth is this. It's not about trying to impress us. Because all of us are under that camera when we read. The truth is, is what we're like with the king should be what we're like with our servants and our fellows. He should be no different. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but in Matthew 6, verse 12, we all know the Lord's Prayer. But we love the Lord's Prayer. It says this, and forgive us our debts. Forgive me of everything I've done. Forgive me of all the stuff I've done wrong. Forgive me of the things I've done wrong, Lord. But then it says, as we also 
have forgiven our debtors. In other words, there's a key word in all this. He says, as. In other words, will you forgive me, Lord, as I've been forgiving other people? We love the Lord to forgive us for the things we've done wrong. But are we prepared to have already been forgiven people when we ask you to? You see, some of us are saying, forgive me, Lord, and then once I know what it is to be forgiven, then I'll start forgiving others. No, it says, forgive me as I've been forgiven my debtors. I believe that we need to forgive others first before we can actually start to ask God to just forgive us for the sins we've committed. That as word is essential. It's a key thing, and sometimes I believe we've missed something wrong over these words. Finally, number three is this, and it's important that we get this today, because I believe right now there are people in this room who God is speaking to. And you know you're saying there is someone. There is something in my heart. Number three is that we need to restore our hearts. Restore our hearts. If we don't let go of these things, do you know what forgiveness does? Unforgiveness creates bitterness, and bitterness creates hate. Jesus said to hit someone by murdering them. Did you know that? Jesus took the limit saying, you hit someone, it's like you killed them. That's how serious he put it. He extended that, that kind of thing that we knew from the Old Testament of, of, of we thought murder was bad, but now he said, to hit someone is to murder them. Listen, Unforgiveness will create bitterness. Bitterness will create hate. If you hit someone, it's like murdering them. And some of us today are on that verge of let bitterness come into our hearts like a, this root that grows up. And sometimes we can't kill it off. You know, in our, in our house, we've got our drive. We've got a, a, a concrete drive. And Emma's forever going out in the summer spraying with this little carton. I mean, some people come and they have the full spray for the weeds that are on there. You just never seem to hear that kind of thing. Emma gets out there with this little gun and squirting. We wait for about a week for the things to shrivel. And, you know, some of us, you know, we've got uncontrollable weeds in our hearts. We're not really applying the right measures here to get rid of this stuff. And really, we're just living and saying, I'm just going to leave it there. I'm going to keep going as I am. I'm just going to just, I'm going to keep these things a bit, but actually, you know what, the root of it is the key thing. The root of your problem is the key thing. If you let bitterness grow up in your heart, it will create hate towards your brothers and your sisters. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15 says this, See to them that no one falls short of the grace of God, and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many that sin. I'll read that again. See to that no falls short of the grace of God. In other words, we can fall short of the grace of God. That no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. I don't know if you've noticed this, and we've, we've talked about it recently, but these days we're hearing more and more of people physically getting cancers. I mean, I was with someone yesterday, and they told me of two people. I hear more and more of, more than we've ever heard before. People saying, you know, they have this tumor, they have this cancer. We've heard cases in the church here where we've heard specific examples. And I believe that, that, that the scans these days are picking up far more than they used to be. You know, the scan systems that they use, the MRI scanners and all these different scan systems allow us to see what years ago people would have seen. It's not 
lot of the time, people want to sing these things because the technology works better. Do you know what I really believe what's happening today in the world? Is that God has got his MRI scanner on us as a congregation. It's a spiritual scanner that picks up and shows us in our hearts and reveals to us the things that we didn't think we could see. He's detecting things right now by his spirit. Because I can't see them. Only you know that they're there. But by his spirit, you will reveal them to us. You know, cancers are detected very quickly. I believe that bitterness is like a cancer. It's like a cancer that grows. And we need to cut it out before it gets any good. Before it causes more harm than good in our lives. The king in this story soon detects. He detects the servant's heart. He says this, verse 32 to 35. Then the master called the servant in. This is after the servant's just not forgiven his brother. He says, he calls the servant in. He says, you wicked servant, I cancel all the debt for the Lord because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just like I have you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my, fa- my heavenly father will treat each of you. Unless, he says, you forgive your brother or sister from your in other words, he says this to him. He calls him in and he says this. Listen, you've just done what you've done. I've heard your servants have told me that you have tried to do this, this against your fellow servants. But listen, you've never forgiven from your heart. You just did it from your You never really did it from your heart. And there's some people here today as that spiritual scanner goes over your heart. That actually you said, I've said it with my mouth, but actually my heart really hasn't forgiven. My heart is not in sync with my mouth. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but when you get a mobile phone, we have to sync our phones to make sure they're synced with, to back up everything that we ever buy these days. Every now and again, I plug my phone into my computer, and it tells me on the computer, it backs up and says, you need to back up, you need to reinstate what's, what's on there. And some of us today, I believe, have not backed up our mouths with our actions. They're two different things. They're two different things. And I believe that you need to make sure that you sync your heart with your mouth. Make sure what you're saying when you forgive people that your heart is saying the same thing. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 20, he says this, Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. But whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. But whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. As I come to a close today, I'll ask you today, maybe your heart right now. There is a person that as I've talked all the way through this, you can say, you know what? There's a person who I haven't forgiven. There is a person this morning that I know that this, this person contaminates my mind. You don't even need a scanner to tell you that. You know it. Some of us today have actually realized that there is a deep root in our lives that we have not forgiven someone for what they've done. And it's caused us to have a bitterness which will in turn create hate towards 
that person. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 32 says this also get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Get rid of this. Not think about it, talk to someone about it, try and talk them into thinking that you should maintain it, hang on to it. No, he says this, get rid. In other words, throw it out of your life. Cut it out. When the scanner sees it today, get rid of it before it gets to you. Because it will eat away at your life. The New King James Version says, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you. Get it away. Put it away. Let's stand. Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.